Hello and welcome to our second episode of One Immune Voice, a podcast on autoimmune and immune-mediated conditions brought to you by Janssen UK. My name is Claudia Hammond. I'm an author and broadcaster specialising in health and psychology. In the last episode, we were talking about mental health and how to talk to family and friends. Today, we're going to look some more at mental health and at where else you can get support. And we'll be hearing firsthand about one person's experience. Now, to help us do all this, our partners are six patient organisations focusing on different aspects of conditions all caused by the malfunctioning of our immune systems. And our guests for this episode are Paul Howard from Lupus UK and Zeb Tucknot from IBD Relief. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. And Seb, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. You're very welcome, both of you. So we're going to be discussing how best to talk about your mental health and how to seek help if you feel you are struggling. But before that, Paul, can you tell us about your organisation, Lupus UK, and what you do there? So Lupus UK is a charity for anyone who's affected by lupus. There are a few different types of lupus, but the most common is systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE. And it's an autoimmune disease where the immune system mistakenly identifies healthy tissues as foreign invaders and attacks them. And that causes inflammation and damage throughout the body. And lupus can affect people in many different ways. Most common symptoms include fatigue, skin involvement such as rashes, joint pains, hair loss, and it can also affect the organs such as the kidneys, the heart, the lungs, and the brain. So it can be very serious. Yes, certainly. But for most people, it can be managed with treatment. And Seb, you work for IBD Relief. Tell us a bit more about that. Certainly. So actually, I'm a patient. Firstly, I'm an ulcerative colitis patient, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. Um, And I set up IBD Relief a number of years ago to help um, patients uh, and people living with inflammatory bowel disease um, to help improve sort of the education available for them and hopefully help them on their journey. Oh, was that because you couldn't find what you were looking for elsewhere as somebody experiencing a condition? Yeah, I felt there was, and there's quite a lot of information out there. However, I, I struggled to sort of find a bit more detailed information about maybe specific things that were affecting me. I also came from sort of a technology background, so the sort of the technology used in healthcare was maybe lacking it's improved a lot now but yeah just trying to improve access to information in sort of more engaging ways through video and other kind of mediums that we hadn't really done in in the past. And Paul was mentioning there the role that the immune system plays in in lupus what what role does the immune system play in somebody who has inflammatory bowel disease? So there's two types of inflammatory bowel disease there's ulcerative colitis which evidence kind of suggests that's quite possibly an autoimmune disease so that's where your immune system is mistakenly attacking the lining of your colon and ulcerative colitis is limited to the colon and and your rectum and kind of the top outer layers of your colon Um, and then there's also Crohn's disease which um, can affect anywhere from your mouth to your bottom anywhere in your digestive system and the evidence is suggesting that's probably more immune immediated disease so that's actually where your immune system is maybe sort of having a inappropriate response to bacteria in your digestive system rather than it attacking your 
your tissues, the tissues kind of end up getting caught in the, in the crossfire. And we're focusing on mental health again today. And Seb, is it often the case that with some autoimmune conditions and immune-mediated conditions, they're, they're not always visible to others? How does that affect people's well-being? Speaking from experience in inflammatory bowel disease, there's lots of ways that it can affect your mental health. So I think just physiologically affects your gut and there's lots of evidence to show you the kind of the gut brain connection and and the impact that your your gut has on your mood and well-being so if our guts are faulty then it wouldn't be a surprise that there's going to be some mental health challenges i think there's also then the the symptoms a lot of people experience so maybe diarrhea bloating cramping pain fatigue's quite a big one with ibd those are things that you can't really see or people are not that comfortable talking about so like you said it can be very invisible and those things can really impact lots of aspects of of your life which then go to affect your mental health now everyone's experience is different of course but it is really useful to hear what it is really like for someone else and so ben has done just that for us he has ulcerative colitis which as we've heard is a type of inflammatory bowel disease we have one bathroom and a toilet um, I would always use the, the, the second toilet, which was, you know, a bit out of the way. Um, so my family could use the bathroom. Um, and it was in a very small room and spending, I think I was spending anywhere between sort of two hours and s- seven hours at the very worst on one, one occasion, um, in, in a tiny room by myself on the toilet. Um, and by the time I was getting off, I was exhausted it would be like one o'clock in the afternoon, getting up at like seven maybe. Um, and I just felt like every day was, at, at one point I thought, what, why, why do I keep doing this to myself? You know, what, what is the point of it? Um, and my mental health was clearly going downhill very quickly. Um, and I, I was showing signs of anxiety and, and I was just absolutely broken. Seb, it sounds as if Ben has had a, a very tough time. What, what do you make of what he had to say? It's an experience that a lot of patients with IBD can have. And I think it sort of highlights what might seem kind of a trivial symptom or going to the toilet, actually what severe impact that can have. For myself personally, I'd, I'd didn't end up having to spend quite as long on the toilet in one go as maybe Ben did. But yeah, when I was going 30, 40 times a day, like it has a huge impact on on your life and particularly your mental health. Yeah, I mean, that must take over your life completely, really, in a way. Yeah, you're always focused on when am I going to need to go to the toilet? Where is the nearest toilet? Am I going to make it to the toilet? I mean, when things are bad, I would not even make it upstairs to the toilet sometimes that that was how kind of urgent the, the diarrhea was for me and that that's similar for a lot of people and that can then really impact your ability or your confidence to leave the home go on public transport go to meetings be in education like there's, there's so many th- different things i think people take it for granted but yeah if you, if you always feel like you're kind of tied to the toilet then can really affect you in, in, in lots of different ways, which then not only that is difficult, but how it then affects your social life, 
your work life, education, etc., then those things equally then sort of add to that mental health burden and you're worried about what people might think and, and all those kind of things. Yeah, so it's not surprising then that that can really make a dent in, in people's well-being. And Paul, what did you make of, of what Ben had to say? So I think that whilst his is an example of something that many people with lupus might not have that same sort of physiological symptom, I think the impact on quality of life is very profound. And that's something that we certainly hear from people with lupus, I think that you have this sense that you're no longer the person that you were before. Um, We hear from people with lupus who have to make many sacrifices in order to live their life because of managing extreme fatigue, managing joint pains. And so their life is about going to work, coming home, resting, sleeping, and going to work again and having to cut out many of the hobbies and activities that they loved having to cut down on relationships with friends and family because they just don't have the energy for it and that's going to have a, a dramatic impact on how you feel about yourself how you identify and the the way that you feel day to day yes that must really take a toll on people and what steps should people take if they feel that they do need some more help with their mental health? Where do they start, Paul? I think initially it's really important to recognise those feelings because sometimes mental health isn't something that we're always comfortable talking about, something that maybe we don't even recognise in ourselves, that we're not quite who we normally are. And, you know... Maybe your behaviours change a bit, maybe you become more irritable, maybe you are feeling down and you're not participating in activities that you usually would. And so I think that's a really challenging first step is identifying the signs of some form of mental unbalance within yourself. But then I think it does really help to be able to share that with other people. So whether that's with someone very close to you, like a friend or a family member, whether it's speaking to other people who are living with a disease similar to yours through something like a charity, or whether it's the case that you feel you would benefit most by speaking to someone in your healthcare team, such as a specialist nurse or one of your doctors. And how do you choose which of those to to speak to? I think that's a really difficult challenge for many people, and that might be a barrier to actually asking the question in the first place. We have to recognise that mental health has a lot of different factors that affect it so it could be that you have something stressful happening in your life such as difficulties at work or in a relationship and that may be the primary factor behind your feelings and so it may be most helpful to talk to a friend or family member it might be that you feel your disease isn't well managed and so you need to talk to your healthcare team And there's also the possibility that it could be the side effect of treatments. So lots of different treatments are used in the management of autoimmune and immune mediated diseases, and they can have dramatic effects on the body. And I think for some people, corticosteroids are one of the biggest triggers of this, especially early on in the disease when you may be treated with higher doses, because they can cause sleep disruption, mood disturbances. And so 
in those cases, it might be best to speak to your consultant who will be in charge of managing your plan. Seb, is this something you've come across? Personally, I was on steroids early in my treatment with IBD, and they definitely had an impact on my mood, my sleep, and some of the things that Paul highlighted. Those temporary side effects went away once I came off of steroids, but they can certainly cause problems. The other thing with steroids is it, it can, in a lot of people, make you kind of put on weight or give you puffy cheeks. So I had particularly big kind of hamster cheeks, and then that can kind of knock your self-confidence as well. And if people find their mental health is affected, Seb, what kind of professional help would you say is out there for people? There's certainly support around. I think in some people's experience, it might be hard to get to. We are in a position where, unfortunately, we maybe don't have the resources that that we'd like as a health service to provide the mental health support that is necessary. I think the first step is for people to feel confident enough to actually raise it with their consultant, their doctor, their RBD nurse or or someone as part of their team. I think people can disconnect, and I think this comes both from the patient side and also from the healthcare professional side, disconnect their disease symptoms from their mental health symptoms. They end up focusing on, in IBD for instance, their toilet habits or what their poo's like and those kind of things and then kind of forget to say actually I'm really struggling with mental health. And I guess can that be partly because it's what you tend to get asked about at those appointments? Yeah so I I think there's two sides I think for those that might be listening that work in healthcare it's being mindful that the person sitting in front of you might be having a really hard time so take that opportunity to ask that question. There might be fear from the healthcare professional side as I don't really know what to do with it if someone starts to to open up about the struggles they're having, but it's important to start that discussion and and raise that awareness. Um, And then from a patient point of view, I think, yeah, be brave to sort of say, actually, I'm finding this really hard. Like I can deal with the toilet trip, so I can deal with the pain or I can deal with the fatigue, but this bit I'm really struggling with. So actually sort of start that conversation. I think also it's important to raise some of those things because it might be that some of these symptoms are causing or making the the mental health symptoms worse and your care team might be able to help you change your treatment, review your treatment that actually then helps tackle some of those problems. Like it's, they all kind of go hand in hand. It's not just you might have a mental health problem. It's just if your symptoms are bad, then your mental health is probably bad as well. So Is there more that can be done to help bring some of those symptoms under control? So, Paul, what advice do you have for people listening about how to start those conversations about mental health with your consultant or GP or nurse or whoever you might have contact with? I think that it's really important to choose one of your healthcare team who you trust, who you've got a good relationship with. So if you have a particular doctor or nurse who you speak to frequently and who you feel is quite approachable and listen to you, then that's probably where you want to go and speak with them. And I think that it's probably helpful to try to plan in advance of your appointment. So make some notes you know, what are your key concerns and what do you want to happen as an outcome? So is it just the case that you want to be able to talk to them and let them know that you're struggling? Is it that you want to try some form of intervention or treatment? Or is it 
that you need to have a referral for counselling. I think that by trying to solidify in your mind what you want to achieve, that will then also help the doctor or nurse that you speak to, to give you the best help possible. And Seb, what about taking someone along with you? Could that be helpful sometimes? Yeah, definitely. It's worth having someone that can help maybe see a different perspective or particularly someone that that maybe lives with you, then they might notice things that you haven't that they can maybe raise in the appointment. I don't know where we stand currently with bringing extra people to appointments, but hopefully that is more relaxed now. Another thing I wanted to add was if it's possible whether you could actually email in advance your consultant or you'll have an appointment with to say these are the kind of things I'm struggling with because certainly even in my experience when you actually get into the appointment you then kind of I don't know get stage fright I suppose or, or, or freeze and you kind of forget everything that you thought of that you were going to talk about so whether you can email in advance and just say this is something I'm really struggling with I'd like to bring this up in the appointment and then hopefully that then gives you more confidence to do that. And is there anything people can do, Seb, if they don't feel they're taken seriously enough when they try raising it? It's definitely an experience that a lot of people will have. Um, Everyone has different experiences. Every healthcare professional you will come into contact will give you kind of a different experience. I think if you're not happy with the response you've had, then you are fully entitled to speak to someone else and, and, and... don't feel ashamed to do that. And what can people do, though, if they go and talk all about it with their health professional, but then feel they don't get taken seriously enough? If you feel like you've tried to raise something and you haven't maybe been listened to well enough, you you can go and speak to someone else. I know that can be challenging and frustrating. There's, There's lots of different people out there that can help you, and you can go speak to your GP you can speak to a a different GP there might be different members in your care team that you might be able to speak to if you're really struggling with your care team then you can be referred to another team if if you really wanted to as well so there's lots of options I think when it comes to mental health as well there's lots of really good private resources I know that's not accessible to everyone but if you can afford to do so then I would really recommend speaking to a counsellor or, or someone that, that you can actually get a bit more time with and feel like you can find someone that works for you. Um, completely appreciate that that's not available to everyone or, or that they can't afford to do that. But if you can, it might be a good step for you. And Paul, I wonder if there's a way of getting, I don't know, friends and family involved in trying to get you that professional support you need. I think that it can be really beneficial to let some friends and family know I think, you know, sometimes you may want to be selective about who you let know. You know, it can be be difficult to have people see you perhaps in a different light. And so choose someone who's close to you, who you trust to discuss this with. I think also it's worthwhile trying to speak to other people who are living with the disease that you live with. I think that it can be really rewarding to speak to other people who can understand in a way that some people might not be able to. And what does your organisation do, Paul, to try to support people's mental health? Can they get help from yours? So we've got lots of peer support 
um, available through our organization. So you can call people who have lupus themselves, who are trained telephone contacts to have a conversation. You can chat to other people at one of our support group meetings where we've got face-to-face coffee and chat groups or virtual meetups. And you can also chat to people online. So we've got an online forum, which is a really good way of asking some initial questions and hearing from other people who may have similar experiences to you. And Seb, what about your organisation? Can people get similar sorts of things? So we don't offer anything kind of directly because we're we're a very small organisation and um, the likes of Crohn's and Colitis UK and Kikra offer those services. So it's, it's not something we do. We do have lots of kind of stories and videos and things like that on our website and social media, which hopefully can help people. Echoing what Paul said, I think having the opportunity to talk to other people living with a condition is hugely beneficial. And I found that super beneficial for my health. You get to speak to someone that that gets you, that you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to uh, explain your experiences because they've been through those. And it's also helpful sometimes, even if you're really open and honest with your friends and family members, if you speak to someone outside of that, they don't have that emotional attachment. You, you can be a lot more open because you're not worried about like, how's that going to then affect my friendship or my relationship? If you're saying that you're struggling with something, you can can be more honest with, with sort of strangers, I suppose. So again, if, it, if it's someone that has the condition, then they can really relate to you and, and help you, hopefully guide you through that journey. And are there any other places that people, I don't know, might not think of at first where they might be able to get some sort of support with their mental health? I think there's lots of things that you can do as an individual and there's lots of really good resources out there and not necessarily just specific to your disease or your condition. We all have mental health. Mental health, I think, often gets described in kind of a negative way. So we sort of see negative mental health as kind of depression or bad things but actually mental health is also about happiness and fun and enjoyment and it's it's a big spectrum so even if we're feeling kind of okay by working on things that helps make us feel happier and all these kind of things that there's lots of resources out there to help you with that and lots of books social media accounts podcasts all these kind of things that can help maybe open your mind up to things you hadn't really thought about before or hadn't really considered and certainly in my own experience that's made a huge change to my mental health over the last few years I've started to really understand more about my mind and the things that might have affected me by these kind of self-learning I suppose if that makes sense we do all experience mental health challenges and it's through those challenges that we then grow so it's very difficult to be happy if you've never been sad so actually although some of these times might feel really really difficult for you things will get better and when you do get better you're then more resilient to the next time and you make a very interesting point there because paul paying attention to your mental health does matter doesn't it It does really matter. It's so important because it's the way that we are thinking and feeling about ourselves every day. I think that it's worth being kind to yourself as well 
and recognizing that whilst we've given lots of advice and, and guidance on different people and places you can speak about your mental health, sometimes it just won't feel like the right time. You may not feel comfortable speaking to your doctors and forgive yourself for that as well. I think that the best thing you can do is, is listen to yourself, try to identify patterns or behaviors that maybe you're not happy with, but don't feel that you need to solve everything. I think that everyone has things that they, they would like to improve about themselves. Yeah, so be kind to yourself. I think that is a lovely point for us to end on there. But thank you so much to Paul Howard, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Lupus UK, and also Seb Tucknot, who is co-founder and CEO of IBD Relief. And thanks to Ben as well for sharing his experience with us earlier. And thank you for listening. I'm Claudia Hammond. Do join me for the next episode of One Immune Voice, when we'll be discussing how to navigate the health system to get the best possible care. Plenty to discuss there. Bye for now. And if you found this useful, don't forget you can like, share and subscribe to One Immune Voice on whichever platform you use. One Immune Voice is a podcast series initiated and funded by Janssen UK. All participants have been reimbursed for their time. The views, information or opinions expressed during One Immune Voice are solely those of the contributors and do not represent the views of Janssen UK. The primary purpose of One Immune Voice is to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should contact their prescribing physician if they have any concerns about their treatment.